Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Right point, Turnack, left point, Edmund, wrist pass, Kucherov, a shot, they score! It's Andre Pallant on the short side with 41.6 seconds left. Tampa Bay leads game three. And you just heard John Forslund from Sports USA on that call uh, as Tampa Bay won game number three with a game winner. And he joins us right now in the Announcer Schedules podcast with Mike and Phil and John Forslund, Sports USA Radio. He's got the Eastern Conference call. Uh, many of you out there would remember John uh, from the Carolina Hurricanes days. Also, this year, he is the voice of the newly formed Seattle Kraken. John, uh, welcome aboard the Announcer Schedules podcast. Hi, guys. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, you've been doing it all. You know, Seattle this year, of course, many people know you from a long, illustrious NHL calling career. But I'm interested how a guy from Springfield, Massachusetts, home of the NBA Hall of Fame, uh, worked his way into the NHL world. Well, you know, the other thing about Springfield is it has a long history of uh, minor league hockey. It goes all the way back to the early days with uh, Eddie Shore and Eddie Shore owned Springfield Indians in the glory days of that franchise in the in the fifties, and many people thought that that was the uh, seventh best team in the world at the time. As you know, the NHL only had six teams, and um, you know a lot of things happened in Springfield. The players' union was. Uh, uh, was founded there because of uh, the way he dominated uh, and owned the players and restricted their movement and so on. But it, and over the over the course of time, when I started following the game and falling in love with the sport, was uh, was going to minor league hockey in Springfield and uh, the Bruins in the in the in the early 70s with their glory teams led by Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito and Jerry Cheevers and all these guys. Uh, I became a very passionate fan. Of course, they won a Stanley Cup, but Bobby Orr scored that iconic goal in 1970. And I know exactly where I was watching the game on CBS with uh, the great Dan Kelly on the call. And that's where I not only formulated a love for the sport, but uh, kind of a, a love for 
broadcasting hockey. I, I, that's where my dream started. So like a lot of young guys uh, and girls that want to do this, you start, uh, um, you know, in the land of make-believe, you get on a tape recorder, you call games off the television. I did all that. It became a, a real hobby of mine. And then uh, one thing led to another. I got some opportunity to uh, work in the American Hockey League in 1984 in my hometown. I worked in that league for seven years, got the Hartford Whalers in 91. And, uh, that's it. That's how it started. <laughs> People forget the Hartford Whalers, the Brass Bonanza. What was it like calling games uh, in Hartford? It was great. I mean, Hartford was a great city for the National Hockey League. Uh, it's unfortunate that the team had to move. Um, they had a rich history in the World Hockey Association. And, and like I say, you know, there's not a lot of jobs at this level. And uh, I got an excellent break to break in with that team on radio first in 1991. And in 1995, I was given an opportunity to become their television voice. And then, you know, situations broke down politically there between the owner of the team, Peter Carmanis at the time, and uh, the state government, the local government, and a big hassle over an arena lease. And that's why the team moved. And then we moved down to Raleigh in 1997 and started a uh, of voyage in virgin territory that was uh, remarkable. And I had a long run there with the Hurricanes and, and left that organization in 2020. Yeah, but people don't realize with that, you just brought up something. You're from that northeast area, Boston, Massachusetts, uh, New England. You had to uproot and go down to Carolina. I mean, what was that like to be told, hey, we're moving and, and do you want to come with us? Did you have to make a decision on whether you wanted to do that or not? Yeah, it was unsettling at the time. And, um, you know, at the time, Fred Cusick, the, the longtime Bruins announcer, was retiring. Uh, he was asked, you know, who do you think should succeed you? And in the Boston Herald, he threw out my name, which is very nice of him. So I auditioned for a TV 38 gig with the Bruins, trying to make a decision on whether or not I was going to stay in New England. That would have been a dream for me or go to North Carolina. And it got down to Sean McDonough and myself and a guy named Dave Shea. And Dave Shea ended up getting the job with TV38. It was a split feed. They had Nesson doing their home games. They had TV38 doing the road games. Um, it, was a, it was a great opportunity, but it wasn't like the one I had. And uh, Jim Rutherford, the GM and president of the Hurricanes, gave me my opportunity to work in television. And, and because of that loyalty and with a year remaining on my deal, you know, I was fortunate enough to get asked, number one, to go there. And then going there was different. I mean, uh, we were starting a family. I had a one-year-old. My wife was eight months pregnant when we moved. And uh, we had a lot of things going on in our lives. And most importantly, on a professional side, we were coming to a place that had really no clue about the game. So it wasn't like an expansion team that I'm, I'm involved with now in Seattle. This was more or less a, a four-month relocation that had never happened before in the NHL. And you plop yourself down on Tobacco Road where it's rich in college basketball, college football, NASCAR uh, fandom, and, and you try and make hockey work. And over time, we did. Very proud of all the uh, the work we did there and the years I had there. Stanley Cup in 06, a lot of great playoff runs. And, um, it, you know, I still have a home there, so it was a great area. And and then, John, you go from Raleigh-Durham area all the way to Seattle, you know, to handle things for the Kraken. Uh, tell us about that experience this past year in Seattle. Well, it was, um, it, it's been remarkable. It's the greatest year of my career. Um, how I got there was something that I, I didn't think uh, was ever going to be on the horizon for me. I kind of been with the Hurricanes for a long time. I thought it was, you know, going to stay with that organization. The change in ownership, uh, really, really tough um, 
proposal was given to me when my contract expired in 2020. Uh, I didn't think it was very fair, so I decided to turn it down and make myself available. I worked for NBC independently for a couple of seasons in the NHL bubble uh, in 2020. Um, and then in the 2021 season, just as one of the voices for, for NBC and their coverage of the NHL. A couple of jobs were open, which is uh, unusual. Uh, every season, there's not a lot of turnover with jobs like this in all sports, as you know. Um, so the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, had some interest in me. They offered me a position uh, there in November 2020. It, it, there were some things about it that just didn't seem like it was a good fit for either party. So um, I turned that down. I had been talking with Seattle, um, and it took a few months to establish a relationship. And then in and around the holidays, 2021, around the new year, uh, they presented me with the opportunity of a lifetime. So I went there this season. Uh, broke ground with the franchise. Uh, it's a remarkable situation out there. Wonderful facilities. The fan base is is terrific. The the um, energy surrounding the team is you know is second to none. And and once the team gets a lot of credibility and becomes a a team that's going to be in and around the playoffs on an annual basis, um, I think the entire hockey world will see you know how great that place is for the NHL. So to be part of that from the ground floor has been really exhilarating. Now, in addition to being the TV voice of the Kraken, you're currently calling games for Sports USA on the national radio broadcast of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, you've called games for TNT uh, throughout this past season. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about here on this podcast is sort of the process and the behind the scenes um, you know, mechanics of the broadcast. Can you tell us a little bit the differences between those different assignments for you, whether it's Kraken television, uh, national radio, or network television? Yeah, you know, I think the key here for, for anybody that either aspires to do this or maybe is doing this is is to understand that the framework of what you do, the actual broadcasting style that you have shouldn't vary too much. And I say that because, you know, if you, if you change your regional approach and you drastically change your national approach, and then when you're going from television to radio, you have to drastically change a little bit of what you're doing, uh, I think you can really screw all three things up. So it's important to keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, on the regional front with the, with the Kraken, you're telling a story from game one of the season through the 82 games of the regular season, hopefully the playoffs, and you're selling a message, you're selling a story that is linked from game to game, you're the conduit to the fan base, um, and your energy, you know, should be on the side of who you're working for without, you know, being over the top, being an over the top homer, which I've never been, and pride myself in not being that because I think you have to build trust with your fan base, trust with your viewers and listeners. If you don't do that, I think you're cooked. That's just my opinion. Um, and then when you go to the national work, obviously it's a 50-50 presentation. Uh, you, you're feeding both fan bases. You're, you're celebrating and promoting the game. Um, and I've done a boatload of national work with ESPN and with NBC and now with the folks at TNT and Turner Broadcasting. That's been terrific. And then I was given this opportunity, you know, to work with Sports USA. They're wonderful people. Um, they really, they, they love the NHL. They love their newfounded uh, relationship with the league. And um, you adjust your mechanics, obviously, for a radio call in the sense that you have to do a few things 
differently um, on radio than you would in television. For instance, your resets are really important. Your time and score has to be given a lot more on the radio to, than it does on television because obviously we have a score bug on the screen. Your descriptive terms obviously come into play when you're calling the game to make sure that the, the listener can, can get an idea of what's happening. It's really hard in hockey because hockey has a, a randomness to it. And, you know, if you if you if you're not you're clear where the puck is and kind of reminding the listener, you know, if it's down to our left, if they're moving left to right, if it's on the right boards, the near boards, the far boards, you know, if you're not saying those things, I think you can get lost and the game can sound like just a bunch of people connecting the dots and you have no clue where the puck is. So you, yeah, that's a work in, in progress. And that's something when you do a lot of television, you have to adjust to unless you're doing radio on a regular basis. So I really find that as a, a professional challenge. I enjoy that. Um, and then I get to work with some great analysts, say Brian Hayward, and they have now I'm working with Joe Micheletti, who's a dear friend, and we've done a lot of work together. And I think we have a terrific chemistry on the air. So, um, uh, as you guys know, radio is the is the foundation of everything that happens. Radio obviously came before television, and uh, for any broadcaster, if you're doing a radio call of a football game, a baseball game, basketball game, hockey game, whatever it is, I think that's the real, um, true, uh, organic level of broadcasting that's exhilarating. It's a lot of fun to do. You know, television's great. You know, television's great, but it's a it's a, um, a, a bigger operation. There's more people involved, producers, directors, graphics people. You know, you got a, an army of, of, of individuals, men and women, about 30 per, per telecast, as opposed to radio where you basically sit down, get your thoughts together, work with your producer and engineer, and then deliver. But you're delivering something at the, uh, like I said, at the organic level, which is really neat. Uh, John Forslund's been our guest here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. A great little trip through Springfield, Massachusetts, all the way to, uh, I believe you're what, in Kirkland, Washington, home of the Little League World Series champions, 1982? Uh, no, I love. I live in um, Mercer Island. Oh, I live okay. on Mercer Island. Right I don't up. live in Kirkland. I saw that somewhere. I don't know where that came from. Maybe the Kirkland Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, uh, but uh, anyway, I'm on Mercer Island out there. Still have my home in Raleigh. And, uh, yeah, kind of working both coasts for now. but well, a lot Coast of fun. to coast. Coast to coast, John is yep. gone. He's the voice of the Seattle Kraken, and he was our first guest here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. John, it was a pleasure to catch up with you and tell your story. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, guys. My pleasure. Appreciate it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.